This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Looking forward to learning together Parshas Chukas. So much to discuss in Parshas Chukas. Uh, we've spent some time over the years talking about Zos Chukas HaTorah, understanding that each mitzvah has an element of chok, a beautiful insight of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Uh, the Slonim Rebbe also has a beautiful piece on Zos Chukas HaTorah. We're actually going to focus on a different piece uh, this week, and that is the episode of the May Meriva. Of course, we all know that, unfortunately, due to a decision that Moshe Rabbeinu makes of hitting the rock instead of speaking to the rock, it results in the consequence, the punishment of him not being allowed to enter into Eretz Yisrael. So I'd like to be able together to unpack this episode to try to understand a little bit better what exactly went into the decision that Hashem made in deciding that it was an appropriate consequence, an appropriate punishment, that because Moshe hit the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock, it resulted in him not being allowed to enter into Eretz Yisrael, and to try to maybe understand a little bit better what exactly was going on more than what than what meets the eye. So if you'll take a look at the first page of the source sheets that I uh, that I handed out to all of you or that I, you got virtually, uh, he begins on the bottom page Kuf Yotes Os Aleph. We're only going to do Os Aleph today, and we'll see how far we get. The Psalm Rebbe quotes the Psukim, Vayom Hashem Moshe vel Aaron. Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, Ya'an lo hemantem bilak tishen le'nei b'nei Yisrael. Since you did not generate, you did not believe in me, you didn't sanctify my name in the eyes of the Jewish people. L'achein lo saviu es ha'kal hazel ars esher nasati lehems. Therefore, the two of you are not going to be permitted to enter into Eretz Yisrael. You had an opportunity to be Makadish Shem Shamayim, to sanctify my name in a public capacity with all of Klai. So being able to see this supernatural miracle of water coming out of a rock because you chose to hit the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock and you lost out on that opportunity. Unfortunately, you are not going to be allowed to enter into the land of Israel. Says the Nesiva Shalom, Voracious Kasha. Why was it that when we were in Rafidim and they had just left Mitzrayim, they had no water for the nation to drink, Hashem commanded him, and he hit the rock, and in that situation, he was instructed to, and he hit the rock, and water came out. Question number one, as the Nesiva Shalom always likes to do, he'll give us a number of questions, a litany of questions, and then hopefully we'll be able to understand through a yesod, a fundamental principle, how to address all of these inquiries. So he says, question number one is, what was the difference? Why was it that when we came to Rafidim, so he instructed him to hit the rock, Moshe hit the rock, water came out, and it quenched the thirst of the Jewish people. Why all of a sudden now does Hashem switch gears? Why does Hashem say, now I don't want you hitting the rock, now I want you to speak to the rock? That's question number one. Od Tzarech Bir, we have another question. The Torah says, the Pasuk says that Hashem explains to Moshe and Aaron because you did not demonstrate the emuna in me. You did not sanctify my name in the eyes of Bnei Israel. You're not going to enter into Eretz Israel. Asks the Slana Mareva. If you think about it, what difference would it have made? 
The whole point was that either way, water does not normally come out of rocks. So whether Hashem, whether Hashem told them to speak to the rock or to hit the rock, the fact that the water came out of the rock in the end still served as a Kiddush Hashem, still served to highlight, to enlighten, to open the eyes of the Jewish people to realize the miracle that took place. What exactly did Hashem, so to speak, lose out on by the water coming out of the rock because it was hit and not because it was spoken to? Either way, Klal Yisrael will have witnessed and observed an incredible miracle. What was lost out on? No worse for wear. There seems to have not been any harm done. Either way, whether it's by way of speech or by way of hitting the rock, both are above nature, but also in either case. Why is it that Hashem is saying you did not instill in the Jewish people this emuna? You didn't uh, take and seize the opportunity of Kiddush Hashem. Either way, it was a Kiddush Hashem. What exactly is Hashem saying? You got to ask yourself on the flip side, why did Moshe ultimately hit the rock when Hashem instructed him to speak to it? Why did he have to hit it numerous times? Question number four. It seems to me that there is a correlation. Because you did not be by speaking to the rock, as opposed to hitting the rock, therefore I'm going to give you a midah kenegin midah punishment. I'm going to give you a consequence that's commensurate to that which you did wrong. You're not going to bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel. It seems to, appears to be, it seems to be that that is a direct correlation, a direct result for the transgression. It seems like for some reason, that is the appropriate punishment for having hit the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock. What shaykhus, what connection could there possibly be that because he wasn't Mekadesh Hashem's name, therefore he should not be allowed to enter into the land, into the land of Israel. And finally, the last question that we're going to deal with, he quotes the Noam Elimelech, and he essentially asks, why would, the, why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu allow the miracle to take place? In other words, if Hashem instructed Moshe to, hit, to speak to the rock, and he hit the rock, so why after he hit it a few times, water came out? If Hashem instructed Moshe that you should speak to the rock, and you were Hashem, what would you do? You'd make sure that the miracle wouldn't take place, and yes, he spoke to the rock. Why was it that after Moshe didn't listen to Hashem, he allowed the rock still to be able to provide water if Moshe didn't do what he was told? So we have a number of different questions. Again, we'll recap real quick. One question is, why did Hashem specifically want, in this case, to be the rock to be spoken to when in Rafidim it was okay for you to hit the rock? Number two, what's uh, the difference in terms of the Kiddush Hashem? At the end of the day, the bottom line is that the water came out, and so therefore it's a miracle. Number three, why did he have to hit it so many times? Number four, what is the relationship between the fact that Moshe did not follow the instructions of Hashem that resulted specifically in the punishment of not being allowed to enter into Eretz Yisrael. And number five, if Hashem didn't want this to happen, if it wasn't, so to speak, ruts on Hashem, if he only wanted the water to come out of the rock when he spoke to it and not when he hit it, why, after hearing it a few times, did Hashem allow the water to come out of, come out of the rock? A lot of fantastic questions. 
As always, I love to remind all of us why the Nesiv Hashem was as great as he was, not that he needs my askama, but we oftentimes review the Psukim and we review these Parshios and we don't think of such basic fundamental questions, these Pashish Pshah questions, and yet he opens our eyes to being able to see a sequence or to be able to appreciate and become sensitive to the language of the Torah that otherwise we would not have considered on our own. So we're going to take a look um, on page Kuf Chaf, um, the right-hand column, second paragraph. We're going to try to get through as many of these questions as we can. We'll see how much time we have. But at least to introduce, to scratch the surface of where, what direction to be able to go in. So take a look at the right-hand column, second paragraph, which begins with V'yesh Lomar. And he gives us the following hakdama, the following introduction, that will hopefully address with this uh, in, insight, this, in, in, uh, this, this reflection, be able to help us understand all the questions that he he uh, presented to us. The Inyon, it is possible to explain as follows. We know that there is a well-known, I would say, I don't want to say confrontation, but a struggle about how much hishtadlus, how much effort we have to put into something when we have emuna. When we have bitachon, do we have to put in no hishtadlus? If we believe wholeheartedly that Hashem is going to take care of us, do we just assume that Hashem is going to take care of us and there's no effort needed to be exerted? On the other hand, we also know, we can't just sit there and expect HaKadosh Baruch Hu to descend upon us and just provide everything that we need. And we have this constant give and take in our lives. How much emunah and bitachum needs to be part of the ingredients in the formula? And how much hishtadlitz, how much effort do we need to exert in order to receive that which we are entitled to? And he explains this file something fascinating that I've never really heard before. He says, If you want to know how much effort hishtadlitz a person needs to put into something, it really depends on your emunah and bitachum. Listen to what he says. When a person has clarity, when it comes to their emunah and their bitochen, their faith, their belief, that Hashem is certainly going to help them, even if he wouldn't exert himself at all, as the Pasuk says, quotes, I can lay down, I can sleep on my bed, and you, the Rebona Shalom, will do everything. Right, the highest point, the highest level of Emunah and Bitachon really is that you realize that everything is in the hands of Hashem. In reality, a person wouldn't really need to do anything. And Hashem is going to take care of you. However, if a person's emuna isn't so clear, and a person has difficulty strengthening himself in his emuna, so the Nesiv Hashem says something fascinating. He says, if you want to know how much hishtadlus, how much effort a person needs to put in to whatever they want to be successful at, to whatever results they hope to be yielded, it's really going to be dependent on how much emuna and bitachon a person has. The more emuna and bitachon you have, the less hishtadlus you need to exert. 
the less emunah and bitachon you have, then Hashem says, if you don't believe in me, and if you don't have the confidence in me, then I'm going to say to you, I'm not going to provide it for you. You're going to have to work at it. Right, if you feel like if there's not enough, you, you don't have enough emuna, so there, you know, the little hishtadlus is not going to yield the results you're looking for. So you're gonna have to put in more hishtadlus. And so he explains that essentially the more hishtadlus you have, the less emuna you've demonstrated. The more emuna you have in Hashem, the less hishtadlus you have to put in. Now it's a little bit tricky. It's tricky. I, I, you know the famous uh, the famous joke. Right, a, a girl brings home her future chasan and uh, to meet the father. And the daughter walks out of the room, and the future chasan meets his father-in-law. And the, the father-in-law says, "No, how are you going to support my daughter?" And we all know that the son-in-law, uh, future son-in-law, says, "The rabbanu shalom is going to provide." And knew how are you going to take care of my inukluk, my grandchildren? And the son-in-law says, "No, my the rabbanu shalom is going to provide." He walks out of the room. His daughter comes in. And the father, the father, the father-in-law says, oh, I love him. She says, yeah, you love him? She says, what, what do you love about him so much? He says, he thinks I'm Rebona Shalom. He thinks I'm going to be the one who's going to be supporting him, right? So we have this toggle. On the one hand, we have to have Emunah and Bitachon. On the other hand, we know that we can't be Somei Chalanes. So I don't know if the Nesiva Shalom is necessarily saying that in a reality, in, in the real world, we can just sit there and wait for our Kaddish Baruch Hu to descend upon us. I think most of us, our emunah and bitachon isn't strong enough that without the hishtadlus effort complement to our emunah, we're not going to yield the results that we're looking for. But I think that what the Nesiva Shalom is highlighting is that the way the world operates is the more emunah and bitachon you have, the less hishtadlus you'll have to put. You'll have to put in some hishtadlus probably as a prerequisite for you to be able to get what it is that you're hoping to receive. But how much hishtadlus you need to put in is really going to be dependent on the emunah and the bitachon that you display. What does this have to do with our inquiries? What does this have to do with the Nesiva Shalom who asked all of these questions? So we're running out of time, but I'm going to skip now to the following. Skip to the left-hand column um, and go to the words, In reality, entering into Eretz Yisrael was really going to be predicated in our emunah and bitachon. Right? You enter into Eretz Yisrael, there wasn't going to be the Mon, there wasn't going to be the Be'er, there wasn't going to be the Anun protecting them, there wasn't going to be the Aish. We all know that when they entered into Eretz Yisrael, there was going to have to be a regular military victory, Kfisha Sa'aret. They were going to have to conquer. They were going to be living within a world of Teva, and their Bitachon and Emunah was going to have to be critical for their success. And he therefore explains. When you speak to the rock, you have to understand, says the Nesiva Shom, that Hashem was trying to convey to the Jewish people that I want you to strengthen your emuna and bitachon. I don't want you putting hishtadlus in. I want to inculcate, I want to indoctrinate, I want to drill into you bitachon. Not the hishtadlus where you have to hit the rock, but the emuna and bitachon that you have in believing that I, Hashem, can do anything. And that if you even just speak to a rock without exerting any effort, miracles can happen. 
Speaking to the rock is simply a request. You see, the problem was, is that what Hashem wanted to inculcate, what He wanted to drill into the Jewish people was emuna. Don't put Ishtadlus in right now, because you're going to need to strengthen your emuna and bitachon when you enter into Eretz Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu said to himself, these people don't have the emunah and bitachon yet. And so therefore, if all we do is rely on the emunah and bitachon, it's not going to work. We have to exert ourselves. We have to put in some ishtadlus. Moshe Rabbeinu thought he understood the Jewish people and as a representative of the Jewish people understood their emunah and bitachon isn't where it needed to be and so therefore it had to be complemented with ishtadlus. So therefore what did he go ahead and he do? He went and he hit the rock. He didn't think he only needed a little bit of ishtadlus. He had to do it multiple times because the Jewish people, the way he saw them, weren't at the level, weren't on the madrega that emunah and bitachon would have been enough. And therefore they needed to exert themselves quite a bit. Because he thought that they were on a low level of bitachon. Fine, okay. Now you can understand if it's because Hashem and Moshe weren't on the same wavelength, what Hashem wanted to teach the Jewish people, Moshe on a reality level, didn't think the Jewish people were capable of, now we can understand the, the why everything else had happened. The, why was it that originally he instructed them in the refin to hit the rock, and now he told them to speak to the rock? Why Moshe changed that which Hashem instructed him to do? He said to himself, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu said to himself by refidim. They left Mitzrayim. They had Kriyas Yamtsuf. They saw these incredible miracles. And yet at Rafidim they were still on such a low level of Amun and Bitachon. And therefore I had to go Afa Pike and Siva Kharishbarchovitsor. I had to hit the rock. Certainly now that they've been through Cheta Egel and they've been through Cheta Meraglim, if before they were at a much higher level and they, we needed to hit the rock, we had to put that Ishtadlus in. Don't you think now after Cheta Egel and after Cheta Meraglim they're at an even lower level? Certainly we have to hit the rock. So therefore, the Moshe Rabbeinu to him, said to himself, maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not that he doesn't know, of course, but Moshe assumed on his own, jumped to a conclusion using logic, using other considerations, that given the fact that the Jewish people were not on the level necessary to simply rely on Emunah and Bitachon on its own, they had to exert Ishtadlus. What Moshe didn't understand was that Hashem was trying to condition the Jewish people as they were going to enter into Eretz Yisrael that you need to have emunah and bitachon. And the more emunah and bitachon that you have, the less hishtadlus that you have to put in. So while it's true back before they received the Torah, yes, they had to put hishtadlus in. They weren't yet at the level the way Hashem understood. Now, after having received the Torah and conditioning them to have that emunah and bitachon, hitting the rock would not achieve the same goal as speaking to the rock. And since Eretz Yisrael was going to be predicated on Emunah and Bitachon, it was critical that this lesson was taught. Moshe Rabbeinu 
did not understand that that was his intentions. Moshe Rabbeinu thought, wait a second, if they weren't on the level by Rafidim, certainly they're not going to be on the level now after Cheta Egal and Cheta Meragdim. So certainly they got to hit the rock. Not only do they need to hit the rock initially, they've got to hit it multiple times to exert that Heshtadlus. And not only were they not on the level before, they're certainly not going to be on that level now. And so therefore, that is why it explains the Nesiva Shalom. What Hashem says that wasn't a Kiddush Hashem is because right now the Kiddush Hashem wasn't just about a supernatural miracle, but it was the means of getting there by exposing how important, how pivotal, and how critical Emunah and Bitachon was going to be necessary as they entered into Eretz Yisrael. And now, now you can understand why Moshe specifically was punished by not being allowed to enter into Eretz Yisrael. Because if the whole objective that Hashem had was to indoctrinate, was to drill into the Jewish people the necessary ingredient of Emunah and Bitachon as they entered into Eretz Yisrael, and Moshe unfortunately had been mistaken and didn't give the Jewish people the opportunity to have their eyes be reopened and to the Emunah and Bitachon element to be revealed, Hashem said, you prevented me from showing the Jewish people what they're going to need when they entered into Eretz Yisrael. I'm not going to allow you to enter into Eretz Yisrael. And so now we have a much better understanding of that Midah Kenegin Midah. The consequence, the punishment, fits in beautifully as to exactly why that result was necessary because Moshe Rabbeinu chose not to give the Jewish people the opportunity to understand and to internalize this Emunah and Bitachon. So it's a beautiful insight if I had more time, I'd read through the entire piece with you, but I'm running out of time as I see Rabbi Shabtai already on the screen. But I think it's an important yisod. It's an important message that while we certainly need to put Heshtadlus in, right, we've spoken about the Beis HaLevi in the past, Heshtadlus is an, an important ingredient certainly for all of us who are not on the level yet that we can simply rely on Amunah and Bitachon. We have to remind ourselves by using this lesson that as much as we need to put Heshtadlus in, really at the end of the day, our successes and the results and the peros and the fruits of our labor that we're looking for are really not going to be contingent on our hash hishtadlots. It's not going to be dependent on our effort that we exert. That's simply a prerequisite. Ultimately, the successes we're going to have are going to be dependent on the level of emunah and bitachon that we have in Hashem. The more emunah that we have in Hashem, the more likely we're going to be successful independent of that hishtadlots, independent of that exertion. The more bitachon, the more that we recognize that the Rebona Shalom is in charge, the less we need to do in order to bring that to fruition. And if we realize that, we will allow ourselves to let go, let God, so to speak, to let HaKadosh Baruch Hu run the world He's supposed to run, and allow us to be able to function in the way we're supposed to be as His servants, serving Him in the best way possible. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.